Hello, I'm Marvin Fant, and this is Fantline, where we're not afraid to speak truth, and it doesn't matter if you're conservative or liberal, Democrat or Republican, because right always trumps over wrong. Enough said. Hello, everyone, and praise the Lord. I'm Minister Marvin Fant, and today we have a very good one for you. I'm going to be talking about basketball superstar Maya Moore. Now, she is a superstar, not just in the sense of basketball, not just in the sense of basketball, because quite frankly, she has many, many accolades on a basketball alone. But now I look at her as a superstar, as a human being, as a role model, as a Christian. But first, before we really get into the meat and potatoes of this particular story that I want to highlight about Maya Moore, and it's going to touch your heart, I want to first talk about her accomplishments, her accolades, just to set things up. Now, she was born Maya April Moore, June 11, 1989. She is a professional basketball player in the WNBA, and she plays for the Minnesota Lynx. Now, currently, she is on a sabbatical. And basically, that sabbatical has been since 2019. In high school, Moore was the National Gatorade Player of the Year, the Gatorade Female Athlete of the Year, and a McDonald's All-American. She played forward for the University of Yukon women's basketball team and won back-to-back national championships in 2009 and 2010. She was selected as the John Wooden Award winner in 2009 after leading Connecticut to an undefeated national championship. The following season, Moore led Connecticut to its second straight national championship and continued its overall undefeated streak at 78. In the 2010-11 season, she led the Huskies in extending that streak to an NCAA both gender record, all divisions, of 90 that season. Moore became the first female basketball player to sign with Air Jordan. After the 2017 season, her win-loss record in the U.S. since high school was 497-78. and Moore was the first overall pick in the 2011 WNBA draft and joined the Minnesota Lynx team that already featured all-star caliber players in Simone Augustus, Rebecca Brunson, and Lindsey Whalen. And since 2011, Moore has continued to excel both with the Lynx 
and with overseas teams in Europe and China. Moore has won four WNBA championships in 2011, 2013, 2015, and 2017. A WNBA Most Valuable Player Award in 2014, a WNBA Finals MVP Award in 2013, three WNBA All-Star Game MVPs in 2015, 2017, and 2018, two Olympic gold medals in 2012 and 2016, a WNBA scoring title in 2014, and the WNBA Rookie of the Year Award in 2011. She has also been selected to four WNBA All-Star teams and three All-WNBA teams. In 2012, she won both the Spanish League title and Euro League title, playing for Ros Cerreros Valencia. From 2013 to 2015, Moore also won the Chinese League title every year. Moore won a second EuroLeague title playing for UMMC Ekaterinburg in 2018. And since 2019, Moore has taken a hiatus, like I I mentioned, from her WNBA career to focus on reform in the American, American justice system. And Moore was included in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People of 2020. And that is where I lead into the reason why she was voted Time Magazine's, one of Time Magazine's most influential people, the 100 influential people of 2020. And before I get into, before I get into that, let's take a break first. Okay, we're back. So let's talk about Jonathan Irons. Jonathan Irons was 16 years old when he was approached by police for a burglary, by burglary and shooting. Now he said they approached him, um, said he was the one. They did not try to um, they did not attempt to get in touch with his relatives. They did not um, read him his rights. He said they roughed him up. They threw him against a, a wall. They threw him against the wall so hard that it, it knocked the clock off the wall. And he said he was just in a daze that he really did not know what was going on. And all he could do to think of in that moment was to say he plead the fifth just from watching TV. But he was not allowed any phone calls. And he said he it was it was a it was a nightmare. It was a living hell. And he was tried and convicted as an adult by an all white jury for the burglary and shooting at the home of 38-year-old Stanley Stotler. (laughs) Irons maintained his innocence while in prison for, what, 23 years. 
and saying he was wrongly identified in a lineup. Now, now this was shown on 30 for 30 on ESPN. What they did, what they did in this so-called lineup was they had a picture of him from when he got arrested, when they arrested him, and they blew the picture up. Say the picture looked thumbnail side. Well, they blew it up three times that. And then they had the picture along other suspects, along with other suspects. Now, his picture was the biggest one. And then they asked the so-called um, witnesses or whoever, uh, do, do you think you can identify the person who did this? <laughs> it, it's almost like trying, you know, leading them to, to water, so to speak. They had this picture blown up. His was the biggest. And this is how they set this thing up. <laughs> but just think now. And I myself, I worked in the uh, um, prison system for two years in South Carolina. Now, I know there are many people in prison who who um, committed heinous acts, <laughs> stole, did all kinds of things, lie, they're, they're li- they're liars all in there. But there are also people who've been wrongly convicted. So <clears throat> their truths are lumped in with a lot of lies or liars. And that's the thing we have to <clears throat> try to weed out. Because right now, I know there are plenty of people in prison right now serving sentences just like his. Just like his. And it starts from the fact of being of color. That's step one. And I know there are white people also in there that also have been wrongly convicted. But the majority are people of color. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to turn it over to a gentleman who speaking on, on um, in an interview about this particular case and situation. I don't want the truth to be known. What is that truth? That I'm innocent. That I'm not, I'm not guilty of this. He is wrongfully convicted. I am more against. He's one of the greats. Jonathan Irons, arrested at 16, he was sentenced to 50 years. His life was taken from him. We're here to discuss prosecutorial reform in the American justice system. On and off the court. The Minnesota Lynx selects Maya Moore. The first overall pick. And a four-time WNBA champion saw her career come to a screeching halt. She's at the top of the mountain and taking a break to help me. That's all. That's so encouraging. Jonathan Irons was 16 years old when a crime took place. He was prosecuted for burglarizing a home in a St. Louis suburb and assaulting the homeowner with a gun. Have you seen When They See Us, Ava DuVernay's masterpiece on Netflix based on the Exonerated Five? In short, police influenced and misconstrued every fact of their case to lock up the innocent. The same occurred 
for Jonathan Irons. There were no corroborating witnesses, fingerprints, DNA, or blood evidence connecting Irons to the crime. Prosecutors claim that Irons admitted to breaking into the victim's home. Irons and his lawyers denied any such admission. The officer who interrogated Irons did so alone and failed to record the conversation. Remember Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird and the all-white jury? It's another repeated injustice that transpired in Irons' case. He was sentenced to 50 years in prison. Maya Moore first met Irons in 2007, introduced by her godparents, who met Irons through a ministry program per the Times. The more she researched, the more shocking it became, and a new reality set in. My eyes started opening, Moore said. So what occurred? In suburban St. Louis on January 14, 1997, a 38-year-old man came home to a burglary. Three shots were fired, two by the burglar, one by the homeowner in self-defense, who was hit by a bullet to the right temple. Seven days later, Irons was detained. On the day of the crime, Irons had been in the neighborhood, but was not part of the felony. Here's the impasse. At a pretrial hearing, the biggest piece of evidence was a detective's testimony. He described an interrogation in which Irons said, that he had broken into Stotler's house, but could not remember anything else because he had been drunk. Irons has always denied making such a confession. There were no notes from the interrogation and no recordings. Irons was questioned without a lawyer or guardian and no other police officers were present. The detective, who has since died, could not be cross-examined during the trial because he was ill. The crime was violent and involved a gun, but no weapon was found. The fingerprints found inside a door that would have been used to exit the house did not belong to Irons or to the crime's victim. Kent Gibson, Irons' lawyer, argued that the state had withheld that evidence, which could have shown someone else was responsible for the crime. He was convicted on December 4th, 1998. Appeals were rejected. Maya had enough. In her prime, she put basketball on hold to help Irons. We were all taken aback, said Gina Oriema, her college coach. Does she give you hope? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And gave Irons belief. She put her own money into Irons' legal fees, a top private attorney. She started a nonprofit called Win With Justice. Then, this happened. Now to WNBA superstar, Maya Moore. Monday night, a judge officially overturned the conviction and ordered Irons to be released. The judge called the prosecution's case very weak and circumstantial at best. No physical evidence was found linking Irons to the crime, and he said the testimony of the only eyewitness was dotted with inconsistencies. Authorities also failed to turn over a fingerprint report that would have bolstered Irons' defense, Judge Green wrote. Currently, the state has 15 days to request a review by the appellate court. If the state does not appeal, then St. Charles County has 30 days to decide if it wants to retry Irons. While many in the... All right. Let's go to break and we'll be right back. All right, let's recap this. And also I want to mention that this story came to a conclusion of July of last year. So it's really coming to the forefront because of the 3030 segment that aired last night. Jonathan Irons, who's bid for freedom from a 50 year prison sentence was embraced and pushed by WNBA star Maya Moore walked out of a Missouri penitentiary after nearly four months after a judge overturned his conviction on charges of burglary and assault. Now, it took four months, even though the judge overturned the conviction, 
but it still took about four months for him to actually get out of prison because the prosecutors still did not want to lose face. They were more concerned about losing face. They were more concerned about how they would come across. So that's why it took an extra four months just to let him out. <clears throat> but Irons, who 40 years old, an African-American man convicted at age 18, was met by Moore and her family and other supporters who hugged him and cheered outside the Jefferson City Correctional Center, a maximum security prison off a countryside throughway called No More Victims Road. At one point, Moore sunk to her knees as if in prayerful astonishment, which she, she was. She was in prayer. I feel like I can live life now, Iron said. I'm free. I'm blessed. I just want to live my life worthy of God's help and influence. He added, I think I thank everybody who supported me, Maya and her family. Says then Irons took his first steps into liberty as an adult. <clears throat> That's right, as an adult. It was the culmination of a years long effort by his supporters to win his freedom, a campaign that factored in a decision by Moore last year, remember this is from 2020, to forego playing in the WNBA at the peak of her success. And you, call, you recall I gave you all her accolades and everything. In March, a Missouri judge, Daniel Green, vacated Irons' 1998 conviction in what police said was a burglary and shooting at the home of Stanley Stotler, then 38, a white homeowner who lived alone in O'Fallon, a roughly 45-minute drive from downtown St. Louis. Both Stotler and his assailant were armed, and Stotler was shot twice. Irons has insisted that he was not there and had been misidentified. <clears throat> After hearing testimony and a profession of innocence from Irons, who was shackled in the courtroom, Green cited a series of problems with the way the case had been investigated and tried. He focused on a fingerprint report that had not been overturned, had not been turned over to Irons' defense team. The print found inside a door that would have been used to leave the house belonged to neither Irons nor Stotler. Irons' lawyers said the fingerprint would have supported their contention that someone else had committed the crime. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Green agreed that the print would have given Irons' defense team unassailable forensic evidence to support his plea of innocence. The case against Irons, Green wrote, was very weak and circumstantial at best. In the three and a half months following Green's overturning of the conviction, lawyers for Attorney General Eric Schmidt of Missouri launched a pair of failed appeals then were turned away by the state Supreme Court, which left the matter in the hands of Tim Lomar, the lead prosecutor in St. Charles County, where the crime occurred. He had to decide whether to retry the case. <clears throat> On Wednesday afternoon, Lomar declined a retrial. Moore's family met Irons through prison ministry. She and Irons were introduced in 2007 during a penitentiary visit shortly after her freshman year at the University of Connecticut, 
where she became one of the most heralded women's players in collegiate history. Moore went on to win four WNBA championships and a league most valuable player for the Minnesota Lynx, but she and Irons formed a strong sibling-like bond at the time. <clears throat> she didn't talk publicly about their friendship until 2016, when she began advocating for changes in law enforcement and the legal system. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> following a series of police shootings of unarmed black men, including the death of Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri, near where Irons grew up, and the killing of five Dallas police officers by a sniper during a protest of police brutality, Moore helped lead the Lynx in one of the first athlete protests for the Black Lives Matter movement and racial justice. Moore, now 31, became a strong voice for prosecutorial changes. And in early 2019, she stunned the sports world by announcing she would take a timeout from basketball in part so she could devote more time and energy to helping Irons mount what they thought would be his final appeal. She used her fame to raise awareness and help fund the hiring of Kent Gibson a highly regarded defense attorney based in Kansas City, Missouri, to handle Irons' case. <clears throat> Court records show that Stotler, the victim of the crime, was shot in the right arm and right temple. Weeks later, he was unable to pick out the assailant from a lineup of six photos instructed by a police officer to give his best guess. Stotler pointed to a picture of Irons, which was slightly larger than the others. And another photo of a different African-American man. And remember, I highlighted that for you before getting back to this segment, that the picture that they they blew up, and it wasn't slightly, it was <laughs> more than slightly larger, the, pic, the picture of Irons. <clears throat> Stotler later admitted Excuse me, Stotler later identified Irons as the perpetrator while Irons sat in court once while Irons was dressed in prison garb and another time while the teenager sat next to his defense lawyer. But there was no corroborating witness to the crime, nor were any fingerprints, DNA, or blood evidence implicating Irons presented in court. Prosecutors said Irons, who was 16 at the time, the crime took place, admitted to a police officer that he had broken into Stotler's home, a claim that Irons steadfastly denied. And see, that's the thing with these situations. It's never about, well, I won't say never, but <clears throat> there are times when it's not about trying to get the right person, but just getting someone of color, period. And then it, it seems like, well, you know, they're satisfied instead of trying to get the right person. No, they're satisfied. They're satisfied just as long as they got somebody of color to pin it on. The officer who interrogated him did so alone and did not make a video or audio recording of the conversation. And asked for his interview notes. The officer said he thrown him away. And despite his youth, Irons was tried as an adult and see, that shouldn't even, that should not even have been 16 years old. 
he should he should not have been tried as an adult. Now, on the advice of his public defender, he did not testify. In public defenders, why they did? <laughs> oh my goodness! Anyway, in a county with few minority residents, he was convicted by an all-white jury and given a sentence that made him ineligible for parole until he was about 60 years old. 60. Think about that now. So throughout his time in prison, Irons, a religious man who educated himself behind bars and earned commendations from prison administration, said he would never agree to parole because it would require him to admit guilt when he had done nothing wrong. And more, an evangelical Christian who has spent much of the last year ministering in Atlanta and connecting with her church and family, continues to say she has no plans to return to basketball anytime soon. And again, I reiterate that this is from last year. In January, she announced she was extending her hiatus for a second year, partly to continue helping Irons. That decision meant she would miss not only a second WNBA season, now set to start in late July after being postponed because of the coronavirus pandemic. And to fast forward, since we're on this, she is still not back even from this year of 2021 when the WNBA started uh, their season, what was it, July? They, they, that, I believe they started their season this year in late June. <clears throat> but, but because of the pandemic, they started again in 2020 in, in July. And it was a chance to win a third straight gold medal in the summer Tokyo Olympics, which again was moved to this year and for which she will not be playing again also. And during a recent telephone interview from prison, Iron said he initially planned to live with Moore's godparents in Atlanta across the street from her home. Moore's godfather, Reggie Williams, had worked in his spare time to investigate Iron's case and uncover the key fingerprint evidence. I hope to get it, <clears throat> be an agent of positive change, Iron said in an interview. I want to encourage and inspire people and share my story with anyone who will listen. I want to be an advocate, part of the conversation of going forward for justice and police reform. And asked about Stotler, Iron, Irons did not hesitate. He said Stotler was a victim twice, a victim once by the person who burglarized his home and assaulted him, and he was a victim of the police who manipulated him in identifying me. He said, I would extend my hand in peace to him and I want dialogue with him. If he wanted to go for dinner, I would start there. Now, that tells you about the character of this man. And also wanted to um, point out that he and Moore got married last year. And it was a situation of um, he 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 said he he surprised her really. He said he um, 
was in love with her and he wanted to ma marry her. And it, it totally took her by surprise. And when he said that, that was, um, I believe it was in 2019. Like I said, I, I watched the, um, I watched the documentary last night and I tell you, it's <laughs> when you watch it in its entirety, it, it can be a tearjerker. It can, especially toward the, towards the end when he um, he's out of prison <clears throat> and he goes to visit his grandmother's gravesite, which like he said, it was more like his mom also and his best friend. And the sad thing is that he did not know she had passed away until three months after she had died. Three months. And then that's when prison officials informed him that she had passed away. <laughs> and the thing is to be wrongly convicted for 23 years and to miss all that time, your adult time at that. And to be in there, uh, it's just, <laughs> you can't get that time back. But they are trying to get compensated for that. And <clears throat> they're filing a civil suit against the city, against the police department, and anyone else who was involved in that. So I, I pray that it, it goes well, and I think it will go well for them. And I, you know, I, like I said, I just can't say, I can't say enough about this. And if you get a chance, and if you get a chance, watch the documentary because it, it goes into even more detail from what I was able to give you right now. So, Peace, God bless, enough said. Thank you for checking out Fantline. Until next time, keep Jesus first and be transformed by the renewing of your minds.